Verse 9. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. Okay, so right here, he appeared to Mary Magdalene. We know that before Jesus, she was a sinner, okay? Um, Some say that she was a prostitute. That's not for sure. Um, They get that from the this little town this little island that she was from was known for that so she kind of got stamped with it she was or she wasn't um you know she she was a sinner okay so now add on to that she had seven demons that were cast out of her right right like she really needed some help and so when jesus came to her and and cast these demons out of her you know, she received something from Jesus that she'd never received from any other any other man. She received forgiveness. She she received love from a father, true love. Right? So you can just understand how why she was so fervently there for Jesus, even at the end when the apostles I mean sorry, the disciples, you know, they weren't. Okay. Let's um let's turn to John chapter 20 11 through 26 and this is john's account of it um just real quick and talking about um how she reacted with jesus um dustin read that would you read it loud would you? uh john chapter 20 verse 11 i think through like 26 just But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stood down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one on the, one on the head and the other on, at the feet, where the body of Drew, uh, Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where, he, where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where, he, where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabbi, which is to say teacher. You can stop right there. Sorry, that's as far as we want to go. So right there, we just see this is a little better example of of what was going on with her. And you can you, we just talked about how she Jesus gave her something that she'd never had before. And she was clearly um, sticking by his side. Well, when we read that account of it, like when Jesus called her name. She instantly she just that's him. That's my father. Right then. So when we've surrendered our lives to, to Christ and the Spirit lives in us, and when He calls our name, you know, calls us by name, and He's directing us, you know, He should have our full attention like He had Mary Magdalene's attention. 
Okay, we, we see the we see the contrast between the disciples and Mary on this. Where that wasn't the case with them. Okay, so now when we start looking at the disciples, we see in verse 10, it describes the condition that the disciples were in in that moment. They were mourning and they were weeping. You can you can imagine they're they were thinking, he's dead. They weren't at the tomb waiting, right? We we learned that last week. They thought he was dead. They didn't all the times he said he'd be raised on the third day, they they missed it. Okay. So they're they're sitting around and they're mourning and they're weeping and they think they're gonna be killed, you know, and um saying he's dead and you can imagine what Peter's even thinking. He's like, I just gave up the whole family business to follow this guy. He had a prominent fishing business. You know? We read in um, other accounts where Jesus is like picking up the disciples as he's going, and they're like, hey, i got to go bury my dad. And he's like, let the dead bury the dead. Just follow me. You know, all those ones that he talks about like that. So when they think he's dead, like this is a huge, I mean, this is almost, this is going to be life-changing to them. Don't forget they don't have the Holy Spirit yet, right? They got to have Jesus himself. Okay? And they're scared. Like, after all this stuff happening, they're just waiting for the Jewish leaders to bust down the doors and kill them, or the Romans to bust down the doors and kill them. You know, this is, stuff is pretty understandable when we, when we put ourselves in the position. And they're just, their hope is gone. They, all the air is out of them. Okay, so, so Mary shows up. And um, she explains that he's alive. And you can imagine, like we just talked about with Mary's situation, she's jacked. She's, she's going there and she is serious. She's not joking around. She's just like ecstatic that, hey, you guys, you don't need to be in this state of mourning and weeping. Like, he, he's alive. He, he's here. And, um, you know, it's a bummer. They just continue to not believe. So in the next couple of verses, um, let's see what we got going on here. In verse 12, after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who seen him after he had risen. Real quick, this just popped in my head. I just think of like Lonnie just said and then Dustin touched on of like being down in that pit. They weren't they weren't thinking of the light or like being picked up of like I have something to lift me up here. They we see that clearly right here. Okay. Um Mark is a fast paced book. We know that. And if you, if you, like, when I read through that, I was like, no, I want more, Mark. That wasn't enough, what you just said through that. Just knowing, a little, being through Gospels before, like, man, you, you didn't tell me enough. So, like, I'm sure Mark is referring to, to Luke's Gospel because the way Luke explained it. And um, so I'm just going to read that, that little section in Luke to you so we can really paint the picture of what was happening in this section of Jesus meeting these guys on the road and talking to them. So you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, or you can. It's in um, Luke chapter 24, starting verse 13. It says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, 
which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together all they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while the com, con, while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that he had also seen a vision of they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, "O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets, in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where <coughs> they were going, and he indicated that he would go. He would have gone farther, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went into, to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. He vanished from their sight, and they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how that he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace, be, or, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that he had seen a spirit, that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. So that paints a little better picture. Praise God for Mark. But it, he, he just paints a little better picture for us of how that went talking on the road. 
Mark just like super paraphrased it and slammed it together for us. But don't you get the feeling that Jesus definitely has a sense of humor where he just shows up with these guys walking and he just pretends like he's just a normal person? And I think it's interesting too, like back in the day, it was just normal for you to be walking, conversing about some pretty heavy stuff and someone just joins in with you and you're like, oh, hey, and then you just keep, like, I guess everybody loved each other a little better than these days. But anyways, Jesus, is, it's almost like Jesus is messing with him, right? But he's just, he's like wanting to know what, what are you guys saying about this? So, you know, he doesn't, doesn't reveal himself to them. And um, and uh, they're they're just shocked that that this guy that shows up with them hasn't heard of what's going on. It was that big of a deal that when Jesus this stuff happened, Jesus being crucified, it was that big of a deal that everybody should have known. You know, they were like to Jesus, like, dude, don't you check check your your Facebook? I mean, it's all over everything. You look at look at it. How do you not know? You know, like he's the idiot. And um, uh, Jesus, I'm sure, said, like, yeah, actually, I invented Facebook, and you guys are using it for the wrong stuff. But that was just for you people that are using Facebook for the wrong stuff. Okay, let's get serious, Adam. Um, so, uh, um, so then the cool thing here, so then Jesus just starts in with, with um, Genesis, and just hammers out the Old Testament, clear to Malachi with these guys from Jesus. Okay? And he's telling them, like, all of this is about me. The whole Old Testament. This is all about me. I couldn't imagine having Jesus come to our home group. You know what I mean? Or send down the Bible study with Jesus. Instant scholars we would be. I guarantee it. For sure. Okay, now let's get in to the butt whipping part. I can say that, I think, implying that at the pulpit. So, yeah, yeah, it's just a word, right? So, Jesus is getting after these guys, and rightfully so, okay? Um, God purposely set these events up to have all these eyewitnesses, right? Like we talked about having the... um, the stone, when the women went to the tomb and the stone was rolled away, how the stone wasn't rolled away for Jesus to be able to get out. He's God. He can walk through walls. It was so that people could go in and he could have eyewitnesses to say he's not there. Okay? So remember that. Jesus is a little frustrated with these guys among many things, but like he strategically planned all this out so that it would be infallible truths for us today. Okay? And so, you know, he, he gets after them, okay? It's made me think of what, when I was ta- reading this and studying it. And just a good reminder for all of us, obviously. Surprise, the Bible's a good reminder. <laughs> Who would have known? <laughs> but, um, you know, I just, I just think about this, you know, and God has, like, he has the playbook that wins Super Bowls, right? Every year, Right? Stick to the play. He's been telling us, right? So I'm going to give you an example of the old high school football days. And I uh, would have worn my letterman's jacket today if Courtney wouldn't let me. (laughs) I really wanted to. (laughs) Just drenched in medals. Maybe one for participation in track or something. Um, Anyways. 
so we in 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 high school we had this um, football coach, and we were a little tiny school. We I think so then there was one through four A right now there's it's different but um, we sh- our numbers we should have been one A but we played at two A and this football coach we had just just to get a picture of him he was the most winningest coach at all levels of high school the most winningest coach this guy knew football he could like. It was like he could raise above the field and see everything happening at one time. I mean, he was he was good at it. He could take no talent ranch and farm kids and could get a lot out of them and be the most winningest coach at all levels, more than any Portland school, more than in the state of Oregon. Okay, that's that's his credentials. Okay, so he uh, he had me at, at, at tight end, and um, you know he would say like, run your routes like this, you know, and you get in the game and. And uh, I'm sure Adam, like, you know, you're running back. You can remember those times, like, you're supposed to do this and your other guys are doing this and it, everybody does their thing and it works, right? And, um, you know, and I, I would detour from that and it wouldn't work, you know. And I remember one time, it was one of the craziest things I'd seen in sports because he was also the type of guy, like, come out screaming across the field and all the revs would be, you know, coach, get back on the sideline. And he wouldn't care, like, screaming at us because we weren't listening and running the plays correctly. I remember one time in preseason um, – we were playing at Ontario, and they were just bigger, stronger, faster, more talented, way better than us. It was just preseason game. I think he liked to see us with broken limbs and stuff sometimes. But um, I remember he like he calls this play, and he's like, you know, tells the quarterback, here's the play, get it to Joe, he's doing this. And so we run the play. And the play works flawlessly, but um, Ryan, our, our quarterback, he, he just chooses, like, nah, probably because he knew I had terrible hands. But regardless, he was like, no, and he chose something else. Play didn't work. And I'll never forget, um, Coach Grant was his name. He Grant comes out on the field screaming, run the same play right now. Tells the whole other team, tells the entire stands, the whole town of Ontario, heard him say, run the same play. So they knew. The play. Run it. Get it to Papineau is what they said. They knew. They, they knew it was coming. We were scared to death. Like, yep, all right. We, everybody, nobody huddled, nobody, nothing. Gets right back to the line. And the other, you know, their team's like, easy. Run the play. Throws it to me. Go for six. The guy, you know, like he just knew every aspect of everything and you could see how things were going to open when this happened like this blah 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 do you maybe you see the picture i'm painting here of jesus having this amazing playbook to win super bowls and we need to trust that you know what i mean we need to trust that that's a word for us as we go through this section of trusting believing we're going to get into this part of believing okay i ranted way too long on that um, okay, let's get into what Jesus is going to start telling us, the playbook, I guess. So here at the end of Mark, we're getting towards the end of it here, in verse 15. And he said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay, right here, I personally know a guy that took this very literal as a child. Okay? I'm not going to tell you his full name, but starts with and ends with Ori. Okay? And this guy, you don't know him. Don't, I, don't worry, you don't know him. 
He literally went when he was a kid and he would preach the gospel to the animals on his ranch. Like, could you, you don't know him, so you couldn't imagine this, but if you did know him, you could probably imagine this Ori guy uh, preaching to his cats and his horses and his, you can. (laughs) But look at it. Look, like today, like that's his job. He's a pastor, right? Okay, like, he believed it at a young age that like what God told him to do here in verse 15, like he believed it then and, and he believes it today. Okay. Now, some people speak publicly. Some people don't. Right. I mean, that's just we're kind of getting into gifts here more than but hopefully I'll you'll see my pointer. But some of us, you know, evangelize door to door. I've got a buddy that is just like this evangelizing nut. I mean, goes everywhere and just tells everyone in the gospel, street preaching to um, abortion clinics, that like everything. He just, it's amazing. And then um, some people go on missions. And some even do the hardest type of evangelism, preaching the gospel to their immediate family. That one's a tough one. I think for everybody. I would be surprised if it's... I mean, that's not true. I wouldn't be surprised. But generally it is. Okay? And so we're just simply talking about the Great Commission. Jesus is talking about the Great Commission in in verse 15. To every creature, he says. So, amen to Rory. He even did it to his chickens. Um, It's why we exist, you guys. It's the only reason we exist. So remember the, the, the coach with the playbook that wins the Super Bowls? Let's run the plays. It's a commandment. In verse 15 is a commandment. I'm clearly hung up on my high school days, so I'm going to go over there again. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't say that. Okay, you guys, come on, get serious. This is no joke. Um. So, like, in high school, though, we have, we have these classes to graduate, right? We have required classes. And then we have to have these certain classes to graduate. And then we have these elective classes. And for me, elective class was, I wasn't even in the building. I did work experience. So whatever elective classes are for, whatever. But what I'm saying is, biblically, this Great Commission, this reason we exist, is not an elective class is not biblically okay you can't find it anywhere in the bible not a single syllable in the bible where it says this great commission the reason we exist is an elective okay it's a requirement go jesus is saying this go into the world and preach the gospel family you guys let's let's be bold let's share the gospel if we have to start out by telling or cow dog, or whatever it is, you know, Lonnie's probably got a parrot. Like, start there, seriously. Like, whatever it takes. But we, we let's be bold and let's 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 do it. Jesus is commanding us to do that. All right, let's move on. Verse sixteen. Jesus says. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe 
will be condemned. Okay, let's look at this very, very, very carefully. I honestly don't think anybody in this room, I don't think we have, um, I, don't th- I don't feel like we have this mixed up. Maybe I'm wrong. But it's good to, to break this down so that we have this in our pocket because we're evangelists. We just learned that. Okay? So we just learned that our, our reason for existence, what that is. And so now, let's, let's think about how some people think about baptism. Some people think you can get baptized as an infant and you're washed and you're good the rest of your life. Some people think, you know, oh, maybe if I get baptized, it'll, bring, it'll make me get on board and, and trust the Lord or, you know, get my life right with God. If I just get baptized first, then I'll believe. You know, you actually see that quite often in the church. But when we read verse 16, that's a little backwards, isn't it? What does it say? It says, he who believes, believes is first and is baptized will be saved. Okay, now I want to be crystal clear that baptism does not save us, does not. That's the truth, okay? But it's an act of obedience. Jesus just told us to do it, right? So it's an act of obedience that... That we should, if we believe, like it says in the beginning, he who believes, then we should be getting baptized. I heard this amazing thing Charles Spurgeon did in one of his sermons on this. And I couldn't find it to get it printed out. I heard it in a sermon. And I'll try to find it for you guys someday because it was, it was like knock your socks off amazing on the reality of like, if you are a believer and you believe, why are you not getting baptized? You know, why wouldn't you get baptized? Jesus commands us to get baptized. He doesn't say that that's how we find salvation, but he does command us to do that. It's kind of a whole nother sermon in itself, honestly. Um, so I got a little ahead of myself here, but on that, he who believes, like, so let's, what does it mean to believe? This belief that Jesus is talking about is it's our lives being changed, isn't it? You know, as like Jesus explained when he was talking in John chapter 3, when he's talking to Nicodemus, what does he tell him? He says, you must be reborn, right? You must be born again. We see it in Matthew chapter 18, verse 2, where he says, unless you are, unless, unless you are converted and believe as a small child, I'm paraphrasing there, it's like, you will not, you know, you won't be saved. So you, like you have to, this belief, that's what it looks like. You must be born again and you must be converted. Like your life will look different. Guaranteed. So true believers, we have to remember when we're thinking about all this stuff we're learning about Jesus' resurrection or um, crucifixion and resurrection, this is part of believing. This is part of because we weren't there like these guys were, but we don't want to. We don't want to leave it in the filing cabinet in the back of, and then just like pull it up every once in a while, right? Like this should be something that we just, man, we're just thankful for and we appreciate, and he he just did all that stuff because we never could. This life of sin. Okay, here's the good part of that next part of of um, verse sixteen. What does it say? 
But he who does not believe will be condemned. This part we need to remember about because we're evangelists. Okay, not one part of the gospel does not talk about this part. We don't just talk about the believing and being baptized and Jesus loves us. That's all true. But when, when we're talking about the gospel, this is just as much a part of the gospel. Sometimes I feel like we, here at Calvary, we're like, we don't, we don't waver from the word, no question. But I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I feel like, man, I wonder if the congregation is like, man, all it talks about is sin and we're going to hell if we don't change. And I'm sorry. Jesus talks about it. Man, read the book of Matthew. Like, Jesus brings the hammer. Okay? So it's okay, you guys. That should be encouragement. When we're, when we're evangelizing, we're telling people the, the love of God, we, we remember that He's a just God. That just God part is important, and we want justice in every other part of our life. So we want Him to be a, a just God that also there's going to be whoever doesn't believe. What it says here will be condemned. Okay, now the fun part. Let's look at Jesus telling us to be snake charmers. Verse 17. Did you bring the barrel of rattlesnakes, Adam? Perfect. Good. Okay. Verse 17, Jesus says, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. This definitely is a sermon in itself, you guys. And just for the sake of time, I'm not going to, it's important. I'm not going to get into this. We can see this on a pretty, I don't know if this is the correct way to say it, but I think you guys get what I'm saying. We, we can just cover this on a pretty uh, broad term here that Jesus is just telling the disciples that he will equip them with these different things, right? To further his kingdom. Like we can, we can take that right off the top, easy to get a hold of. And, and go with that. There's definitely more in there. But that's what we're going we're gonna to cover on that today, okay? So in verse 19, it says, So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Okay. You guys, here we have, um, we finished, we're finishing the book, right, of Mark. And Jesus is ascending into heaven. So he returns to heaven to rule as God. His rightful, his rightful throne. But we have to understand, Jesus left so that the Holy Spirit could come, Right? Right? Like, we got to give poor old Peter some grace because he didn't have the Holy Spirit then. Okay, we, we read on where he, they, he does get it. But it, through this stuff where we're like, Peter, 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 you know, like, we can give him some grace there. But think about it. Like, we, Jesus had to leave so the Holy Spirit can come because, I mean, we'd have to, like, schedule Jesus over the world. Like, oh, he's coming to this church and then he's coming to this church and he's coming to this church. It was a blessing. Like, the Holy Spirit's everywhere with us 
as inside us as believers throughout the whole world and even beside people that maybe aren't fully converted, right? So it kind of makes sense when you think about it like that, like Jesus had to ascend into heaven and the Holy Spirit had to come so that, you know, God, God, God's with us everywhere, no matter where we're at, what we're doing. Okay, so then, um, and they, then verse 20 there, and they, they went out and they preached everywhere. You know, it was, um, we read in Acts, the disciples, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they went out and they fulfilled the Great Commission. They went out and they, they, they you know, they listened to the, the coach that had the good playbook. And they did that then for an example to us to teach us so that we have it today. So praise the Lord for that. It's all to further his kingdom, you know, to teach us, teach us today just how to be used, all of us, what our gifts would be. We would be bold, the Great Commission. Let's pray. Father God, I'm just so thankful for today, Lord. We're so thankful for, again, uh, Dustin and and Adam coming out and using one of their gifts, Lord, to to help us worship you, Lord. We're just thankful for all the gifts, all the things that have happened in our lives, Lord, and you just have been with us. And we're just thankful for that you would reveal yourself to us in those those deep, dark times, God. We just ask you to continue to do that, Father. I just thank you, Lord, just putting it on me and others to just dig into this, God. Just I, I have a whole new vision and idea of and truth of you, Lord, because of studying this out, Lord. So I just pray, God, that we would all just be studiers of your word, Lord. You call us to that. I just thank you for Polina, Lord God. We just love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.